Well, good evening, and uh, welcome to Hope Community Church. Glad you're able to make it here. I know uh, it's uh, beautiful out, but it's also Mother's Day, which is a good thing, but also makes it uh, a little difficult to, uh, you know, we want to spend time with, with mom and family if you're able to, and uh, so I know that's a big, big reason why we're a little, little light tonight, and that's okay. Uh, still get to open up God's Word and, and preach. So I want to say uh, Happy Mother's Day uh, to the moms in here. Um, I know it is it is a good day. It's a good time to to celebrate uh, our moms. And uh, I, I sent my mom a uh, a mug um, that had a picture of Minnesota, and she lives in Illinois. And it says, you know, uh, uh, no distance can separate a mother's love for her son, or you know, something something cheesy like that. But I know it'll make her cry. So that's it's worth it, right? Um, and a good a good cry, you know, like a, like not like a yeah. I hate you. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, but at the same time, as we want to celebrate mothers and, and uh, you know, we got a lot of, a lot of new moms uh, in, the, in the church and, and I want to celebrate them. I know this can also be a difficult time uh, for those of you who maybe uh, lost a mother who, who want to be mothers and aren't, um, uh, maybe have suffered miscarriages and, and something like this is, is difficult. And uh, so I want to uh, be cognizant of that as well. Uh, but yet we want to celebrate moms. Uh, we would, uh, none of us would be here uh, without moms. So um, I do want to do that. And so we do have some, some chocolates. If there is, uh, uh, if you're a mother, uh, if you uh, want to be a mother, I don't care. Feel free to, feel free to take, take some chocolate. They're just um, Lunds, as I say it, with a silent D. Lint? Lint. Oh, all right. I didn't know it was lint. All right. Like toe lint. All right, rebrand that. Um, anyways, uh, that's it. So happy Mother's Day. Glad you're able to make it here. And, and uh, so let's, let's get into this. So we've been, uh, this is actually week uh, 16, uh, where we are in uh, 1 Peter. And we're in chapter 4 now at this point, looking at uh, between two worlds. And this is going to come up uh, even again more, more. I feel like every week there's something that Peter says that talks about what, what it's going to be like. And yet, yet we're still here now. And, and so what, what is it like? How are we as Christians supposed to live, act, conduct ourselves knowing that we are resident aliens, that we're foreigners, we're, we're travelers uh, through this world, that, <clears throat> that God is going to return and make all things new, and yet at the same time, how to love the city and, and love where we are and love people that, that are around us. And so how do we conduct ourselves? And so he's going he's gonna to do that even more tonight. And so just kind of titled this passage, The Glory of God. And looking at 1 Peter 4, uh, 7 through 12. And it's, it's an interesting uh, passage. It, it, it really could be like three different sermons, um, if, if, if you will. I think there's a lot that could be said here. And, and just for time's sake, we're not going to really spend a lot of time looking at any, any one of these particular topics. And, and all of me, when I was in seminary, there was uh, this professor that used to always say that uh, sermonettes produce Christianettes, which it's cheesy, but it's stuck, right? So I want to want to dig in. I want to get get to the meat, uh, but yet I don't want to spend uh, you know two hours on on this passage. Um, it's it's too nice out to do that to you. Um, so we're gonna go through this and and just uh, and, and keep that in mind. So let me let me reread uh, this passage uh, before we before we dig into it. Um, you know what, Nolan? Sorry, I've got a there's like something blinking on there, and that's gonna drive me bonkers if you don't mind. I don't know if you can fix it or not, but okay. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each one of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. 
If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength that God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. So the first point that Peter makes is the end is near. And, and this, is, this is one of these things that we could spend a lot of time talking about this. There's a lot of, a lot of churches that spend a lot of time uh, focusing on what's going to happen in the end, uh, which I always find ironic because the people that spend the most time talking about end times and end times theology believe that they're not even going to be there for it, right? So I, I've never, why are we going to spend so much time preaching on this topic if we're not even going to be here? Um, so I just want to spend a little bit of time talking about this and, and specifically what, what Peter means. Um, the end of things is near. And it may bring up uh, images of, right, the, the, the guy standing in the corner with the sandwich board, right? The end is, the end is near, right? Ringing the bell. And, and, it's, and, it's, and it's always perceived as, as a judgment, right? The, the end, is, end is near. The end is coming. Um, so, so get ready, right? You, you, you better repent, uh, you know, ask for forgiveness because end is near. He's coming back. Um, and then I, I like the little cartoon that I put there. The one in the front is holding the sign that says the end is near. And the one in the back says, uh, this will never end. And then he's looking at the guy that's saying the end is near, saying your, your optimism disgusts me, right? <laughs> of the guy, because the, the end is near. And, and the thing is, in the passage, when we read this in scripture, it actually should be optimistic. So this, this cartoon was actually really fitting to say, no, when we say the end is near, this should actually, as a believer, bring us joy. Um, because, uh, as, as I've said before that, you know, Jesus, he's, he's going to right all the wrongs. He's going to make all the wrongs untrue. And, and that should be something that we should say, yes, I want that. And, and, and the, the Hebrew word, right? Maranatha, come, come, come Lord Jesus. We want this and we want everything to be made right. And so not to give any spoilers, right? But I found this too, right? Uh, Thanos's glove, right? The end is near. Um, and, uh, that's all I'm going to say about that. We're going to move on. Um, Okay, uh, so so let let let's let me. Well, shoot, I was gonna say this. I want to say a word on end times though quickly. Um, this is something that I think a lot of a lot not not a lot not to say that we're we're superior as a church or uh, how we teach and that kind of thing, but we like to preach through through passages through books of the Bible. Uh, versus just focusing on something like end times theology and and the fancy term for it is is uh, eschatology and and so I don't want to I don't want to do all that. Um, unless it's in the text. And even though it, we read here, the end is near, that doesn't, that's not the main focus of this passage. And so it doesn't give me the right, as someone who's trying to rightly divide the word of truth, to just, hey, let's just jump to the end and figure out what's going to happen and, and figure out all the details, because simply we don't know. Um, and what we do know across denominations, across evangelicalism and, and, and Catholic and Protestant and Everyone is unanimous that Jesus is going to return bodily, physically to this world, and he's going to make everything right. Uh, that he's going to make all things new. And I don't care what Christian denomination you come from, that's what they all believe. All right, now, if you want to get down into the details, there's going to be some dif difference on that. Uh, but I believe that Jesus is going to return and he's going to make it all right. Uh, and I cannot wait for that day. And so uh, if there is a passage that I think warrants it, of course, we'll talk about it. Uh, matter of fact, just this last week in a systematic theology class downtown with the interns, we spent, we've probably spent the last five five hours of our class talking about end time stuff. So it, I think it's important, but don't think the text warrants it today. So what, what is the point of the text? Okay, well, I want to get into that. But before we get into what Peter's talking about, 
I want to look at the joy, right? The, the optimism that this text should give us. And that's because who Christ is. And so Peter's been doing this. He's been saying our, our hope is in Christ. Everything's about Christ. He has been raised from the dead. And if we're in Christ, we have been raised with him. And so this should be an optimistic thing. And how is it that Christ can say that? Well, I want to go all the way back to Exodus chapter 3. We were there who knows how many, how many uh, you know, a year or so ago. Uh, way early on, we, we spent 50 weeks in Exodus. And this would have been week two or three that we would have been in Exodus 3. It says this, Moses said to God, so, so this is at the, at the burning bush, all right? So the, the bush is on fire. God says, Moses, I want you to go to Egypt and I want you to, to, to declare that uh, I want you to let my people go and I want you to worship me. And Moses then says this to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Because at this point, he hasn't really told them his name of, of Yahweh yet. That hasn't been prescribed to them. And he says, then what shall I tell them, right? Who, who are you, right? Because in that culture, all these gods had different names, and Egypt was full of these puny, insignificant, false gods. And so Moses says, what's your name? What do, I, what do I call you? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. And I'm going to read a quote that I read uh, last year on this as well. Um, John uh, Dalton, I think it says, I can't read his name, but uh, some, some smart dead guy probably. He says this about the passage. <clears throat> I am that I am, replies God. The verbs haya to be connotating, continuing, unfinished action. I am being that I am being, or I am the ising one. I, I love that. I am the ising one. That is the one who always is. Not conceptual being, being the abstract, but an active being is the intent of this reply. It is a reply that suggests that it is inappropriate to refer to God as was or even will be. For the reality of this active existence can be suggested only by the present is or ising, always is or am. He is the self-existing ising one. That's who I am. That's, that's my name. I am. That's who he says who he is to Moses. And then when we fast forward all the way to John and we have Jesus here being confronted by some religious leaders at the time, and John chapter 8 says this, the Jews answered him, aren't we right in saying that you are a Samaritan and demon-possessed? I am not possessed by a demon, Jesus said, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. I'm not seeking glory for myself, but there is one who seeks it, and he is the judge, right? So talking about the father that he's going to receive the glory. And even as this text that Peter says, he will receive the glory. Very truly, I tell you, whoever obeys my word will never see death. All right, that's a strong statement. If you obey, Jesus says, if you obey my word, you'll never see death. At this, they exclaimed, now, now we know that you're a demon, right? Now we know you're demon-possessed. Abraham died, right? The father of our faith died. And so did all the prophets, yet you say that whoever obeys your word will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham? He died, and so did the prophets. Who do you think you are? 
And listen to Jesus' statement. Jesus replied, if I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. My father, whom you claim is your God, is the one who glorifies me. Though you do not know him, I know him. If I said I did not, I would be a liar like you. I mean, right, Jesus? But I do know him, and I obey his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad, right? What's he saying? Jesus, he's born, I mean, like 8,000 years later after Abraham. They're saying, well, how can you, Abraham's dead. How can you say this? And he's saying, Abraham rejoiced at my day. He rejoiced at me fulfilling everything that he has done. He saw it and he was glad. And they say, you, you are not yet 50 years old. Which makes me think Jesus must have not aged well because he died when he was 33 and they say 50. They're like, what, like, like 40? No, 50. You were not, you're not yet 50 years old. They said to him, and you have seen Abraham? And Jesus says this, very truly I tell you, before Abraham was born, I am. Right, I mean, that, that statement, he's saying that same name that Moses was given, I am, has sent you. He's saying before Abraham was, I am. I am the self-existing, ising one. At this, they picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus hid himself, slipping away from among the temple grounds. Right, he's, he's clay. He's, I, I am God. Before Abraham was, I am. So then when we get to the book of Revelation and the, and the end of it, chapter 22, he says, look, I am coming soon. Jesus, I am, says, I'm, I'm coming soon. My reward is with me and I will give to each person according to what they have done. And this is, this is another verse that I think can be taken out of context that when we look at the end times, you know, a lot of times, unfortunately, if you, if you grew up in church like me, it's 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 preached as guilt and shame, like someday you're going to die and you're going to go to heaven, and then God's going to start the old uh, slide projector, and everything you've ever done in your life is going to be on display for everybody to see. That's not what the, this is. This is a glorious thing. You're going to receive a reward because Jesus already bore my sins on the cross. There's no more guilt. There is no more shame. Jesus bore that for all of eternity. Then verse 13, he says, I am the alpha and the omega, right? A to Z in the Greek alphabet. And he says, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. I am. I am the easy one. But then he says, look, I am coming soon. And he says this multiple times. And then we get to Peter, where he says the end is near. So what exactly does, is Peter talking about? Right? Why, why did Peter say that the end is near almost 2,000 years ago? Well, we could get into a big study on the language and what this means, but really, when you look at this, in any New Testament writer that says the end is near, they're saying it is near because Jesus has already won the victory on the cross because of his resurrection and because of our position and our stance in him. It doesn't matter if the end is 50 million years from now or if it's today, it's going to have the same result. And we should live that way and we should act that way and we should rejoice in that fact. I, when I was a kid, we used to sing this song. And I, I know I do this a lot. We, we had like children's songs that we used to sing that I never knew what they meant when I was singing them. Um, but we did this one that was uh, uh, 10 and 9, 8 and 7, 6 and 5 and 4. 
The countdown's getting lower every day, right? It was like, right, three and two, he's coming soon, right? It was, it was like, ter- that was terrifying. Like, what are we counting down to? Stop counting, right? I don't know what's happening. Um, and then you do like the fun thing where you count down from 10, 9, 8, 7, you blast off. And um, why? What are we blasting off? I don't, what's the theology behind the song? I don't know, all right? But that should be a glorious thing. It should be a thing that we, we, we read this text and say, the end is near. Come. Make this right. Fix this. I don't like seeing people suffering. So what is it that we're waiting for? Well, he's waiting for people to be saved. He's waiting for more people to be in that resurrection in Christ. And so he then says, therefore, and he's got a few of these, or at least the therefore in the text will go down to a couple different aspects. So the end of all things is near. Therefore. Because we are new creatures in Christ, we've gone from death to life. We were once a people without mercy, and now we have received mercy. Once we were not a people, and now we are a people. Because of that, therefore, be alert and of sober mind that you may pray. Be alert, right? This is be, be always ready to pray. Be in a position that, that at any moment when we see something, when we hear something, that we can just cry out to God and we can pray. Um, there's a phrase, and, and, I, and I can't remember even who, who said it. Someone accredited to somebody, I think, um, some old saint. And, and, uh, but it was, uh, it, don't be so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. Right? It's this idea that, that we're, we're so focused, right? We're, that we're standing around looking up at the sky, waiting for Jesus to come back. Or I'm, I'm selling everything I have. Or well, who cares about this planet because God's going to make it all new. So let's just destroy it. Right? No, 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 no. Right? Don't be so heavenly minded that we're no earthly good. And then you can flip that around and say, don't be so earthly minded that we're no heavenly good. Right? That's this, this conundrum that we're in as believers, that we're between these two worlds, right? Of, of looking at of God making all things new and yet being present here and loving people and sharing the gospel. And he's going to say that then in this next passage. He's going to say, above all, therefore, love. Above all. Right above everything else. And again, he's addressing the church here. He's talking to the church. He's above all else, love each other deeply. Really care for each other, church. Because love covers a multitude of sins. And that's another one of those like really good coffee mug phrases, right? Love covers a multitude of sins. What in the world does that even mean? Right? I mean, what, what is it? Like, I just, in my mind, I picture like something like, like gack, you know, like oozing out over, over the top or something and covering it. What is that even gack? Did I just date myself there? Anybody remember gack? Um, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. What love should do within the church body and within this family is it should, it should break the vicious cycle of sin and hatred and competitive, competitive attitude. Let's say, no, I, I, man, I, I love you. And if we follow what Jesus taught, when somebody sins or wrongs us, that we're supposed to actually go to that person, right? Uh, I, I know I'm from Illinois and I'm from Chicago, but man, I have, I have become a Minnesotan, right? I mean, I, I'm Minnesotan through and through. I love it. I, I love visiting my family in Chicago. I'm never moving back, right? Uh, it's not my jam. Uh, you think, I mean, trap, I hate it, right? I, I'll visit it. Uh, anyways, breaking this vicious cycle 
And what we tend to do, especially as Minnesotans, we, ha- we do. We had this passive-aggressive way. Someone was just telling me that there's someone that was staying at their house too long, like they wouldn't, they wouldn't leave. So they actually went to the store and bought a bunch of pillows. They had a bunch of buttons on it, right? So, to, so they only had really uncomfortable pillows to offer their friend that was constantly spending the night, right? It's like, just, just tell them, right? Just say, you're not welcome here anymore, right? It's, that's such a Minnesotan thing. And I, and I claim that. I, I'll own that. But we need to break that cycle that when someone wrongs you, actually go to them. Why? Because I love them, because I care for them, and I want to get this right instead of constantly just over the top and and, and one-upping each other, right? Uh, I think of, uh, and I I feel bad for doing this, but uh, my my father-in-law, my father-in-law, my stepdad, um, he uh, lives in central Illinois, and he has had a horrible neighbor dispute. All right. He lives on a farm, so they're not like, you know, next door, but he's, you know, like the farm over. Uh, you can almost see their house kind of a thing. And, and for some reason, they just, what happened was my, my, my stepdad built a house on his property and this family said, well, we wanted that property and now you've ruined our view, right? We used to have this big open field and now we've got this house sitting there and it's like, well, it's, it's my property. <laughs> and I can, and that just kind of started this, this thing. And then, and then unfortunately my stepdad um, lit a fire and it got too big and it, and it burned through all of this neighbor's like cords of wood uh, that he had in between the property and made this big fire uh, and it got really ugly. And so then the neighbor to get back took all of like, his old rusty farm equipment and put it as close to their line, property line as they could. And, and so then my stepdad takes his wood and stacks it up so you can't see the farm stuff. And then the guy moves the farm, just Let's love each other, right? Let's just, let's just go to one another. Instead of, instead of doing that, just break this vicious cycle because that covers a multitude of sins. Instead of this snowball effect of what, what can I do next and how can I get over this and maybe I don't have to address the issue and the, you know, the elephant in the room. Let's just talk about it. Let's love each other deeply. The next therefore, he says, he says, be hospitable. And he says this, offer hospitality, offer hospitality, to one another without grumbling. <laughs> I, I struggle with this. Like I, I, I really do, right? Paul, Paul's in the back there. Last week, was it just last week or two weeks ago when we cleaned up all the trash? It's like, I, I volunteered. I, I was trying to be hospitable to the community in the neighborhood. And I know the whole time was, oh man, who in the world would put that right there? Just throw garbage cans right there, right? I mean, it was just, we're just grumbling the whole time, right? It's just like, why do I, why do, I do that? And then we're all supposed to offer hospitality uh, to one another without, without grumbling. I'm, I'm going to confess, even this afternoon, I was with my wife, and I mentioned something that I had done that was hospitable, and, it was su- and I said something that was super passive-aggressive. And my wife said, uh, uh, harboring bitterness a little bit, right? And I was like, oh, yeah, I should probably repent of that since I'm preaching on this tonight, uh, right? Because it was just something I did that I don't want to do it, but I do, and, and let's be hospitable to one another without grumbling. Uh, and I think this is something we can, we can all, all work on and repent of uh, when necessary. Be hospitable. The next uh, one that therefore that he gives, he says, therefore use your gifts. And this is kind of another uh, chunk that we could spend a lot of time talking about spiritual gifts. What, what are the gifts of the Holy Spirit that we've given, been given to the church? Are they, are they gifts that I, I would have naturally that the Holy Spirit is is using for his glory is this are these like uh the talents or gifts that i have as far as resources that god's given me that i'm supposed to we could talk about all of that and we're not going to get into to all of the spiritual gifts but one thing i do want to point out is just what he says here in verse 10 he says each 
one of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. That if you are in Christ, even if you don't even recognize it or, or feel something, you are filled with the Spirit of God. And we have all, every single one of you has been given some kind of gift. And maybe you need to try to figure out what that is. There's tests out there, although those, are, those can be kind of scary. I had a buddy take one, and, uh, and he, he got the um, uh, celibacy and, and, uh, and uh, what was the other one? It was um, uh, poverty, you know? And he's like, I don't, I don't want these, right? Like, I, don't, I don't think I have these gifts, right? Um, so you got to be a little weary of uh, taking spiritual uh, tests online, right? But, we, but we've all been given something, right? So how do we... How do we use these gifts, right? That each one of us, each one of you should use whatever gift that you've been, uh, re that you've received to serve others within this family, within this church as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. And he gives two. If anyone, if anyone speaks, right? They do it wholeheartedly, right? This, don't do something half-hearted. He's saying, just, just go for it. If you say, man, I've just got this inclination. I want to help with this. I want to organize this. I want to, like, I mean, Brian, you do this really poorly. Is there any way I can, I can help with this, right? Do it. If anyone speaks, they should do as one who speaks the very words of God. And if anyone serves, they should do it with the strength of God. And so we're supposed to serve one another with these gifts. And if we go back, that we're supposed to do it without grumbling. And we're supposed to do it with love. Not to say I've been given this gift, right? It's my, my cross to bear. I got to serve this. No, man, let's, let's love. Let's love one another. The next uh, point here is that we need to actively praise. He says this, so that, right, because of all of their force, being alert of loving without grumbling, using our gifts for the body, covering a multitude of sins, so that, in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. That if we're in Christ, if we're in that resurrection, looking forward to the end, that we've been given these gifts so that we may praise God. This is, uh, it's one of my, I don't know if you want to call it a pet peeve, right? A theological pet peeve, if you will, where... Uh, uh, people, people will say this, and I'm not, I don't, I'm, not think, I'm not thinking of any of you, okay? So if you said this, like, I'm not, I'm not thinking of you. I'm sure I've said it at some point too, right? But we, we kind of do this. I, I worship God or I, I praise God with the way that I drive my car, right? Or I worship God or I praise God in, in the way that I, that I raise my kids or, or that kind of thing. Just be praise, worship is, is active, right? It's, it's engaging our mind. It's engaging our body that we're thinking about something that we're doing. It's not passive, Right, so you can't, you can't like, how, how am I worshiping God in the way I drive my car, right? Like everything I do, like that blinker, I'm obeying the law, God, because of you. Like, no, like, nobody does that, right? Does anybody do that? That's, talk to me afterwards, right? I'm just kidding. Um, uh, so that in all things, God may be praised actively. This, this is why when you study the word worship, literally means to bow down, right? And, and nowhere in scripture is anybody worshiping God seated, all right, this is, this is why when we have a theological reason that we say, if you're able, stand, right? Worship, actively engage your mind, engage your body, engage your, your voices, and praise God through Jesus Christ. And so that's what we are to do. And so we use our gifts without grumbling, with love, and being alert. And we do that as a body, as a family, 
And we do those things in the church. And, and maybe you're getting annoyed with this, but can anybody fill in the blank that we as a church should be member? There it is. Member mobilized. This is something that um, I know when you got in, you, when you came in, you got a, a little handout, a little uh, save the date, <coughs> excuse me, of this all hands on deck. Um, and then uh, it's, just, it's just a time, really what, what, what we're trying to do is we want to we take care of this facility. We rent, we're renters. Um, but I want to have an ownership mentality of this space. And I want to use it well, and I want to clean it, clean the bathrooms and, and do all these things and make this space look, look nice and more presentable. We actually want to build a welcome center uh, that would be a little bit more uh, welcoming um, and just more signage and that kind of thing. And so if you have any kind of gifts of creativity or just I'm going to clean or, or help with the gardening or, or whatever it may be, I want you to be able to do that. Um, lunch is going to be provided and and uh, then we're going we're gonna to spend uh, a couple hours in the morning cleaning, and then we're going to have a time of lunch, and then we're going to just come in here, and we're going we're gonna to sing some music together as a church. And, and, and this is not just something I want to do. This wasn't even my, my idea, right? This is just something that I think that we can do as a church to uh, care for each other and do that. And so we can utilize our gifts. And like I mentioned at the beginning, what like, are these spiritual gifts, these natural gifts, are these resources? Yes. You know, we are to use those gifts for the church for God's glory. And so that's where, that's where it ends, right? For God's glory. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Right? He, he is the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. And so we will get to glorify him, that he is worthy of the glory that's due his name. It's one of my favorite songs. That we would reflect back to him the glory that's due his name. It's, it's what he's worth and his value that we recognize him for who he is and we proclaim back to him the glories and excellency of his worth. And then he has this little word in there, amen, right? It's in the text. It's funny because it seems like, all right, this is final, this is the end, but then, then Peter keeps writing. Uh, and so we're not quite done with, with the book of First Peter. He's gonna keep going. Um, but a- amen, what, what it really means, literally means so be it, right? Like this, this is it, it's final, period. So to him be the glory and the power forever and ever. So be it. This is what we are to do. And he is the one who's going to receive the glory and the power forever and ever. Uh, and so this is something I, I do all the time when uh, a lot of, some preachers will, will kind of ask for an amen. You know, you know what I'm talking about? Um, they'll kind of, um, uh, you know, hey, man, hey, hey, this is a beautiful day outside. Amen. And it's like, and I always think like, so be it. Like, that doesn't make any sense, right? You're not. You're using that word. I don't, I don't think you know what that word means, right? Um, but I know it's, it's like a Christian culture thing. I, I get it. Um, feel free to say amen anytime you want. I'm, I'm okay with that. You can, can I get an amen? I'm just kidding. Uh, all right. Actively praising God um, because he's worthy. All right. So in, in conclusion, I just want to wrap up by, by saying this. Let's look for Jesus. Right? If Peter says the end is near, and if Jesus himself says, behold, I'm coming soon, what he means is he's coming soon. And we need to live like that. We need to act like that, not because out of some guilt or shame, or man, I'm not, I'm not living the way I once was. In class, actually, we were talking about this little bit of kind of this fear um, that, that our parents or grandparents kind of instilled in us of like, mm, do you want to be listening to that song when Jesus comes back? And it's like, well, it's that's so terrible, right? That's not like Jesus is coming back. That's that's a good thing, right? It should it should give us joy to be in Christ and in the resurrection. And if you're not, then tonight can be that night. And then finally, let's give God the glory that is due His name, and let's actively praise Him. 
And we get to do this. I say the same thing every week, but we get to do this actively. We get to tangibly remember what Christ has did when he instituted the sacrificial meal. That we're going to tear bread that represents, we're going to, I mean, just think of it. We're tearing this bread that represents the body of Christ that was broken for us. That we're going to drink and we're going to consume the juice that represents the blood of Christ that was shed for our sins, for your sins, to make us a body so we can love each other regardless of our socioeconomic background, of our ethnic background, of whatever it may be, that we can love one another. I mean, like, I mean, really love so that the outside world can look and say, I want what they've got because I don't have community like that. And if there's anybody in here who says, I, I don't feel like I have community like that in this church. Let's talk. Let's get involved. Let's spend more time together because that's what we get to do. Even if we've got nothing in common, guess what? We worship the same King and the same Lord, the same I am. Will you bow with me as we pray and as we sing as we partake of this beautiful meal that Jesus instituted thousands of years ago. Heavenly Father, I thank you for our time together as your bride, as your family. I thank you for the people in this room. It's, it's such a joy every week to be able to get up here and to look out uh, on these people, and, and, I, and I know a lot of them, and they're my friends, and I care for them, and I, and I, pr I pray for them so fervently. God, you, you, you know your people, you know your sheep, and you know that there are people in here right now that, that might be wandering away, that might be struggling, that are straying away from the family, that are straying away from the pack and just saying, I, just, I don't feel welcome, I don't feel like I fit in. God, would you show them your love and your mercy and say, I, I, I love you enough that I died for you and that you want us to be part of this family as wicked and as sinful and as backstabbing and as hypocritical as we can be sometimes. God, I pray that you would give us the grace to be able to love one another deeply. So God, would you hear our prayers? Would you, would you just receive the glory that is due your name? Would you hear us as we lift up our voices, as we partake of this meal, and as we remember the sacrifice that, that your son made and you made as a father, as you gave your son to sinners, that while we were at enmity with you, while we were to spit it on your face, you sent him to die for our sins. God, would we remember that? And we would look forward to seeing Jesus again. And it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. <laughs>